and especially next Sunday being Easter, we aren't quite there yet. But today we land ourselves on Palm Sunday, which is the beginning of Jesus' true journey from outside of the city of Jerusalem into the city. And we have this story that we are going to have read in just a moment about Jesus' entry and what that looked like and who all was involved. And so I invite you to open your hearts and minds and ears to receive this word. We're reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus gave two disciples a task. He said to them, go into the village over there. As you enter, you will find a donkey tied up and a colt with it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that their master needs them. He sent them off right away. Now this happened to fulfill what the prophet said. Say to daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the donkey's offspring. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had ordered them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them. Then he sat on them. Now a large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others cut palm branches off the trees and and spread them on the road. The crowds in front of him and behind him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this? they asked. The crowds answered, It's the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is a reading of Holy Scripture for us, the people of God. Our thanks be to God. I want to ask you, did you hear or feel the energy in the Scripture that we read this morning? Did you hear the people shouting and and saying, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, I want you to imagine this scene with me for just a moment. And, and maybe if you're a visual person, if you were here yesterday at the egg hunt, just the, the energy that was at the egg hunt there and all the masses of people and, and moving around, maybe that can help to put something in your mind. But imagine that, that Jesus and his disciples are beginning to make their way towards Jerusalem. They're still on the outskirts. There's a small valley that is between the Mount of Olives and, and looking over into Jerusalem proper, into the old city area. And he's surrounded by people who have been feeling and, and living under this Roman rule. And they're feeling like the, the government hasn't had their best interest in mind. And, and they were a little bit fed up and, and ready for a change. And that they knew that Jesus, as they saw him coming, might just be what they had been looking for. Because they had heard about this Jesus guy after he'd been spending a lot of his time in the Galilee area. But word had traveled And they thought that maybe this was the moment that he was coming towards them and was coming to save them. So the people who were gathered, 
Remember the energy and excitement? They, they were anticipatory. They were expectant. They had some excitement about them as they were gathered around him. You might even say that they were a people, a group of people that were gathered in a hope. They are calling out to Jesus because they have heard about all that he has been doing. And it's been almost a little bit mind-blowing to them. But there were people even among that crowd who had witnessed some of the things, like the, the healings that had happened and the feedings that had been occurring and the transformations that had been taking place. And so they call out to him with great expectation. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And out of their excitement and their energy, they, they, they started to, to make a way. Because they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to participate. And so many of them took off their, their cloaks, their coats, and, and laid them down. And, and others saw some of the palm branches around and, and cut them off to, to lay away. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Betsy mentioned it in her children's moment. Hosanna, it literally means save us, help us. And it represents the people's longing for him to be the king, the Messiah who would come and indeed save them from what they did not like. And save them meant overthrowing the government they didn't like. It meant that they desired a a change in the political environment. That's what they were hopeful for. They'd also heard about all these things that he'd been doing and wondered how that might apply to them and what that might look like. And so as we gather for this Palm Sunday, as we walk this Palm Sunday journey road together, I wonder if we were to take a moment and pause and and join our voices with the crowd saying, Hosanna, what would we be wanting Jesus to save us from? What would be behind our Hosanna of help me, Jesus? Would it be a cry about something that's going on in your life that you just don't know what to do or how to respond? Or would it be a cry for somebody in your family or something that you see in the community or or the world around us? about political discord in our country or even within our own denomination? What would cause you to want to join your voice in saying, Hosanna, Hosanna? I have to imagine that there was a little bit of longing, maybe even some desperation that was in their guts and in their voices that came out. Then, like now, the people knew that they wanted some things to be different. Don't we all have some things we just wish looked a little bit different? Things that they wanted relief from or or things they wanted to, to change about the world around them or the way things were going at school or at their workplace. They wanted some kind of transformation to happen in their own lives, perhaps. 
wondering if they might be a recipient of some of the healing and the transformation that Jesus had been doing. Longing and and wondering what it would take to right some of the wrongs that they were feeling were occurring against them even. You know, several days ago I was texting with a friend from childhood and as sometimes uh, occurs we began to reminisce about some childhood memories and the, the first one that we named was getting home from school and dropping our bags and immediately wanting to go put on our rollerblades and go rollerblading around the neighborhood. Any rollerbladers in the congregation this morning? What about bike riders? Can I? Yes, a few more of those. But just that sense of you've had a long day at school and you drop your bags and you go and you take off with friends. You kind of just let everything roll off behind you. This was before the days of cell phones for me, so I'd be like, Mom, I'll be home eventually. I'm coming home. The rule was before dusk in my house. We talked about style and what we might have been wearing during these days. My friend remembered wearing terry cloth flip-flops. Anybody have a pair of those? And I'm going to confess and share with you this morning that I went through an overall phase, which is now coming back, actually. But in those days, I had a different color for like every day of the week. It was like all I wore my seventh grade year to school. We remembered the fun of sleepovers and the adventures of trips with our youth group. We just had this moment of reminiscing and remembering what felt good and and things of the past. But then we moved into a little bit of a deeper reflection. And and what really came out of it is that we found ourselves expressing this longing for wishing at times that we just had a different reality in front of us. Because the truth is, adulting can be hard. Can I get an amen on that? And somewhere along the way, as we grow up physically in our our age, and as we take on more responsibilities, we begin to develop within ourselves this sense both of self-consciousness about the way other people are seeing us and viewing us, but we also begin to accumulate all this worry. Like, it's like, oh, there's some more worry. Oh, here's some more worry. And sometimes, even in the midst of that, we begin to find ourselves regretting one decision or another decision, or even beginning to feel guilty for any variety of reasons. And we just begin to feel like we're carrying more and more. More responsibilities, more obligations, more expectations. And we can find ourselves wishing at times that these things didn't drive so many of our behaviors and decisions and actions. Because that can sometimes lead to more guilt and more worry. But yet we begin to pile these things on. As I was talking with my friend, what we were really talking about is the freedom that we felt when we were children at a certain point. The freedom from busy schedules and feeling so many frustrations. There's something about adulthood, and really adulthood seems to just be coming to children earlier and earlier and earlier. And we talked about how often it is that these expectations begin to prevent us from even 
recognizing and understanding our true selves and what we desire and and ways in which God is calling us and allowing ourselves to be known by others because often we fear what other people might think of us or see or that we have to live up to an expectation. And many of us can begin to get caught up in what we think the world expects of us. Where are we supposed to be at this point in our lives? You know, social media has a way of, like, you can create a perfect life in these little square boxes on Instagram or creating your story on Facebook or um, one of the many other social media outlets that we have at our fingertips. And we begin to see other people's lives and, and wonder what it'd be like to, to live their lives. And it can even affect and drive our own actions. At times, we can begin to find ourselves conforming to the expectations of what other people think we are supposed to look like or act like or be or have and own. And we can begin to believe that maybe we aren't good enough as we are, or maybe we should try to do something else or be someone else. And I want to suggest that Jesus was certainly familiar with this experience of having other people have expectations of you and placing them on you. The people that were gathered on that day proclaiming him as king was focused on what they wanted. As they cried, Hosanna, they had an expectation of what being saved was going to look like. About who they wanted Jesus to be. They wanted King Jesus But what they expected was for his kingship to mirror that that they were seeing from the Roman Empire that was based on military force and power that was involved the building up of armies and having horses with chariots and, and armor. And that's not at all what we see from King Jesus. You know, there's actually reference to that Old Testament prophet Zechariah in this scripture that we read. It's pointing back to some, some of the, um, the ways that he was talking about what kings and empires and rulers look like. But then he takes a moment to foretell even what we see in today's scripture with Jesus and the donkey. And this is what it says in chapter 9, verse 9 in Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now for anyone who has ever dared to defy expectations of who people think you should be, you know that the road can be a little bit rocky and rough at times. The very act of Jesus riding in on a donkey, on a young colt, 
who was not tamed or trained, that was best known to that community at the time as the beast of burden who carried your stuff for you. Carrying things for others was so far from what they seemed to represent a powerful king to these, this community. A donkey was not a horse or a stallion. It was not what people expected to see. But in classic Jesus fashion, in that upside-down kind of way, knowing that the time was coming for him to reveal fully who he was as Savior and Messiah to the people, he embodies that what the kingdom of God was ushering in was not going to be about power or building chariots or arms. But this kingdom was a kingdom that was going to be about peace and about love and sacrifice, about freedom from the ways that we are told winning looks like, different from what people expected. It was going to be the way that made a way for everyone. It was not going to be about, well, those people are going to lose and we're going to win and this is what it looks like. He just knew that the way of salvation was going to be different. And so this moment too needed to be different than what people were expecting. Because God's kingdom is different. It is a kingdom that is about love and grace and acceptance. It's a kingdom about welcome and inclusion. It's a kingdom filled with with hope and possibility and peace. But before Jesus is able to make this triumphant entry into this great city of Jerusalem that serves as the first step of this journey towards ushering in this new kingdom. There's a piece of the story that is incredibly central and important, and we've already read about it, and we've already talked about it, and it's a familiar part of the story. And that is that as Jesus and and his disciples were gathered, the first thing that he needed to have done before any of that other stuff, the rest of the story can unfold is that he sent to his disciples on a mission to go get a donkey that was tied up over in a village. And Jesus knew that people were going to be like, what? What is this? And so he told them, when people ask you about this, knowing that they would, they'd be confused and not understand it. He said, tell them. That the Lord needs it. In order for the fullness of the kingdom of God to be ushered in. First, that donkey and that colt had to be untied. Allowing ourselves to be saved by Jesus says to me that first... 
there are some things that often need to be untied so that we are ready to understand and participate and get the fullness of what the kingdom of God is coming to usher in. Because there is probably some stuff, some expectations, some some fears, some voices that are binding us up. That might keep us from embracing the the fullness of salvation and the, the kingdom that Jesus is coming to usher in. Because the kingdom that Jesus is pointing to is a kingdom that is about freedom and transformation. Not about being tied up and bound. Jesus can't use those things. He needs them to be unbound, untied, so that he might usher in in this profound way what it means to live and to be and to exist in the fullness of God's love. We can't do that. We can't experience that when we're tied up. You know, the power of the Easter story is that Jesus has saved us, is saving us, and will save us. But in order for us to experience the fullness of this salvation and what it's all about, what new life can look like and can be for us, First, we have to untie those things in our lives that are keeping us captured. But, or rather should I say, and, part of what this invites within each of us is to be honest and open and vulnerable about what those things are. Because we work really hard just to be like, it's okay. Those are just, those are over there. They're tied up. They're tamed. I don't want to deal with it. If I was to set it loose, that's, it's not, it's not trained. It's, it's not tame. I won't know what to do with those things. Because certainly the conditions of the world around us often make us feel that way. That we can't unleash what is holding us back. Fears of, of what people might think or, or do of, or make of things. But the good news and the truth of what Jesus proclaimed that day is that that's the business and the hope of the cross. That Jesus invites us to untie those things that are holding us back that are keeping us bound and trusting that as Jesus makes his way, that he will carry with him those things for us and with us as well. Because the Lord needs us. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs me. 
the Lord needs for each of us, desires for each of us, longs for each of us to be able to live fully into the the truth and the love of the beauty of the kingdom of God. Untie it. The Lord needs us. The Lord is making a way, showing us a new thing. Untie it, for the Lord needs it. Our prayer today is in the midst of maybe feeling a little bit uncomfortable or or vulnerable, you might allow yourself to open yourself up and to think, what is it that I have tied up? What is it that I need to to let go and release and, and trust Jesus with so that I might experience the fullness of what Jesus came to do and to offer and to be with us and for us? It is for you. It is for me. Untie it. May it be so. Amen. As we sing our last song.